0: You'll find your place in your Bible with me at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. We're going to be looking at just two verses, verses 13 and 14, and I begin today a new series of messages that I've entitled Simply Jesus. We're living in a world of chaos, a world of conflict, a world of confusion. We're living in a world that seemingly has turned upside down and we're at each other's throats. And so many complications to life that are everywhere. And I chose well before the end of this year that our theme this year would be simply Jesus. We've been focused on ourselves. We've been focused on saving ourselves. We've been focused on staying healthy ourselves. But really our focus ought to be on simply Jesus. And so we're going to be thinking about Jesus over these coming weeks. You say, well, don't we do that every week? Yes, but we're going to be doing it in some unique ways. And not going to have all the fancy graphics, not going to have all the fancy uh, videos, uh, bumper videos, though there may be one or two here. or there. just going to be simply Jesus. We're going to uncomplicate our lives. Wouldn't that be nice? We're going to simplify our lives. And there is no greater way to simplify our lives than to bring ourselves to the focus of Jesus Christ. Someone put up a sign uh, along one of the muddy roads in rural Iowa. It was during the rainy season that this sign went up, and this is what it said, choose your ruts carefully. You'll be in them for the next 10 miles. (laughs) Now that sign probably evokes a smile and some laughter as it just did, but it really offers some sound advice to all of us. When roads are slippery, it's actually for your own good that you get into a rut. You have to know which rut, though, because if you get in the wrong one, you can slip off the road. You can fall off the side of the road into a ditch. And that's what the sign on that muddy Iowa road was saying. In a much more profound sense, Jesus likened our eternal destiny to choosing the right road to travel the right road to travel. What he's been doing here in what is called the Sermon on the Mount is talking about kingdom principles, kingdom ideas. We would call them the Christian life, the the principles and the ideas of the Christian life in what is one of his most famous sermons in the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount. As he comes toward the conclusion of that sermon, of these kingdom principles, He makes a statement that is found in verses 13 and 14, where I want us to spend our time for a little while today. So follow along with me, verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7. Enter by the narrow gate. The wide gate is the gate, the wide gate is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Just so that you understand those closing remarks as Jesus brings this sermon to an end, I want to remind you that he talks about there being only two gates through which people can enter. He says there are only two roads on which they can travel. There are only two crowds to whom they can join themselves. And there are only two destinations that those roads ultimately reach. Using this kind of a contrasting method was pretty common for the rabbis of that day. And Jesus is simplifying all of life for us when it comes to eternity, when it comes to our destiny. Jesus is simplifying all of life for us today. Just so you make sure that you understand of the two gates, one is narrow and the other is wide. There is no other gate. Of the two ways, one is easy and the other is difficult. There is no middle way. Of the two crowds, one has many and the other has few. There is no Neutral group. And of the two destinations, one leads to destruction and the other to life. There is no third option. Jesus is breaking down all of humanity and saying to us that there's only two choices, two directions, two destinations. And you better stop at the beginning of this road and you better make sure you choose the right rut in which to go or you'll slide off into the ditch you better make sure that you choose the right gate to enter in the right pathway to traverse with the right destination because there are no other options those are the only two options that are given i want us to consider these two verses under a sentence that I want to give you. And I'm going to be talking from these two verses for another week. So you want to write this sentence down and you want to come back to it next week. But here is the sentence. And we're going to be considering these two verses under this one sentence. Every person, every person in life, every person in life goes through a gate, goes through a gate leading to a pathway leading to a pathway that ends at a final destination. Every person in life goes through a gate, leading to a pathway that ends at a final destination. Today, we're going to talk about the very first part of that sentence, which we're going to be looking at uh, this week and again next week. And the first part of that sentence says, every person in life goes through a gate. There's only two. There's a wide gate and there's a narrow gate. And everybody goes through one of those two gates. And depending upon which gate you go through, it determines what pathway you will be on and what destination you will reach. And so you have to, at the beginning of this road, be very careful to make sure you choose the right gate. When he talks about the wide gate, the word literally means spacious. This particular gate is accommodating. It's appealing. It's indulgent. It leaves plenty of room for anybody to enter if they wish to do so. When he says that the other is a narrow gate, the word narrow means restricted or constricted. The word narrow is the Greek word stenos. It's it literally the idea of groaning because you're under this intense pressure, this tremendous pressure. It gives us our word, stenography. We would think of it as shorthand, shorthand. And what Jesus is painting for us here by this narrow gate, he's painting for us a picture of a gate that's easily overlooked. There's only two gates. There's a wide gate that's spacious, appealing, indulgent, leaves plenty of room. It's easy to go through. And there's a narrow gate that you have to look for or you'll miss it. Dr. Ed Hansen says about these two different gates where every person person in life goes through a gate, one of these two gates. Dr. Ed Hineson says that Jesus is actually contrasting in this sermon the righteousness of the Pharisees with the true righteousness that He imparts in salvation. Just back up in your Bible for just a moment to chapter five, a little earlier, in uh, a little earlier in this uh, Sermon on the Mount, and listen to what He says in verse twenty. He says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you hear what he says? The most respected people of the day, the most respected religious people of the day were the scribes and the Pharisees. They didn't have the same perspective that you and I have on them because they weren't looking back and seeing the hypocrisy that was going on behind the scenes. They had the highest of regard for the scribes and the Pharisees. And yet Jesus comes and says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of these scribes and Pharisees, you're not going into the kingdom either. The obvious implication is that The righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes isn't going to get them in, and neither is your righteousness going to get them in, get you in to salvation. You see, this wide gate refers to the religious activities and works of people. These ceremonies and rituals that we go through that salve our conscience and make us feel better about ourselves but never change us because we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. This wide gate isn't just about the religious, it's about the ear-religious, those that say they have no religion, you know, the agnostics and the atheists. The fact of the matter is that agnostics and atheists have a belief system, and that belief system is a religion of sorts. And consequently, when you think about this wide gate that's easy to go through, it's open and broad, it makes it simple for everybody to pass through it, the fact of the matter is both the religious, who are just doing their works and their good deeds and their ceremonies, and the irreligious can go through this wide gate. This gate is wide enough for everyone to go through in whatever way they wish, however they may wish, as long as their sincere. There's an old saying that probably you've heard, I'm sure you've heard. It's something that we use as an idiom today, but it used to be a literal statement. It said, all roads lead to Rome. And there was a time in the Roman Empire when they were building these ama- amazing, this amazing road system that all roads ultimately would bring you to Rome. It was the center of everything. It was the center of, wor- of the world. And a lot of people believe that all roads lead to heaven. If you can go through the wide gate, it'll take you to heaven. You don't have to go through the narrow gate that's not as easy to see. It's just simple that you've got to be sincere. As long as you're sincere, that's really all that's necessary. There was a pastor that had just preached a powerful message the previous Sunday about how Jesus is the only way to heaven. And later that week, he met a woman in the post office who was in that particular service. And she said to him, I visited your church Sunday, and I heard your message, but I disagree with it. She said, all the different religions are just different roads to heaven. You can take any of them and end up in the same place. She continued, it's just like this post office. You and I came by different roads to get here, but we both arrived at the same place. Well, the pastor thought for a moment, and then he replied. He said, there's only one problem with your analogy. When I die, I don't want to go to the post office. And then he went on to tell her that the Bible clearly teaches that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Christ alone. This wide gate where it's easy to go through, you can go any way you wish, however you may wish, as long as you're sincere about whatever it is you believe, whether it's a religious belief or an irreligious belief, you just got to be sincere about your beliefs and you can get on that road. You can go through that road that will take you supposedly to heaven. Did you know that one poll found that three-quarters of Americans who believe in heaven think that people from every religious belief will be in heaven? Only 21% believed that only Christians will be there. Do you know what that means? That means the majority of Americans actually agree with the woman in the post office. They have a wide-gate kind of a thinking about their religion, about their faith, about Christianity. I was preaching a funeral message a number of years ago. I have had some very unusual things happen in the course of conducting funerals. Someday I may just have to write a book about some of the things that I've experienced in a funeral. But I was preaching in another county, not our county, In a small church, it had two sections of pews in a center aisle. There were a good number of people there, but it wasn't a large crowd, and it was my turn to share the gospel message, and I stood up to bring comfort to the family and to share the truth of Scripture. And as I do in every funeral message, as I came toward the end of the message, I take the final five or six or seven minutes to talk about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. That you have to believe in Jesus if you want to go to heaven, you have to go through the narrow gate if you want to make sure that you have a right relationship with God. And as I began that last section talking about the exclusivity of Jesus, there was a lady who was sitting to my left about halfway back in the middle of the pews. She intentionally, you could tell, pushed herself up very straight in the pew. She lifted up her chin like this, and she began doing this for the next five or six minutes of my message. It wasn't this. It was. And until I finished the message, she shook her head no. She shook her head no. There was no question how she felt about a wide gate religion. She believed that the wide gate would take people to the same place that the narrow gate takes them. She believed, like most Americans apparently believe, that a wide gate will take them where the narrow gate will take them. I heard about a drunken man that got on on a bus late one night. He staggered up the aisle, and he sat down next to a lady who was clutching a Bible in her hands. And she looked at the wayward drunk, up and down. She stared at him, and then she said, I've got news for you, mister. You're going straight to hell. Not the best way to witness, by the way. The man jumped up from his seat, and he shouted, Oh, man, I'm on the wrong bus again. You definitely don't want to be on the wrong bus, but even more so, you definitely don't want to go through the wrong gate when it comes to your eternal destiny. There's a lot of people who seek to earn the favor of God by their own self-effort and their own religious rituals. And the fact of the matter is there's nothing inherently wrong with rituals or ceremonies as long as they don't replace a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But the fact is there are literally millions of people today that go through religious ceremonies but they have no relationship to Jesus. They're going through the wide gate rather than through the narrow gate. Someone once said, the saddest road to hell is the road that runs under the pulpit, past the Bible, through the pews, and down the church aisle. And I agree, because from the pews of many of our churches today, there are people going through religious ceremonies and rituals, but have no relationship with Jesus. They've gone the easy way through the wide gate, but they haven't stopped to investigate and to see that there is a narrow gate through which they must pass. The fact is the only gate that leads to heaven is the narrow gate. It's the only gate that leads to heaven. This gate is narrow because only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took his men to the upper room Where they were going to participate in the Last Supper. A lot of what he had to say in that upper room is found in John chapter 13 to John chapter 17. When you're reading that section of scripture, you're reading the last words of Jesus before he goes out to be betrayed and ultimately to be crucified. At one point in that evening, Jesus gave them some of the most comforting words that any of us will ever hear. You know them, don't you? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, how do we know where you're going, and how do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, exclusivity, no man comes to the father, but by me. Jesus said, this narrow gate is the gate of Jesus himself. There is no other way to heaven. You you can get through the wide gate. You can go any way you want to go. You can come in any way you want to come in. You can be religious or irreligious. You, You can get onto that path that leads to a destination that's destruction. But if you want to end up in heaven, you have to stop and you have to look and recognize there's another gate here. And it's a smaller gate, but that gate is Jesus. And you have to go through Jesus to get there. It's interesting in John chapter 10, verse 9, that the Bible says that Jesus is not just the gate. It says that Jesus is the door. If you were to go to Israel, you would find that there were these sheepfolds, these areas that were rocked walls. Many of them at least, not all of them. But some of them rocked walls that had been built up. And they had an open door to get into this fold where the sheep would be put. And the shepherd would bring the sheep in and then he would lead the sheep out. But do you know who sat in the opening what was called the door? Do you know who sat in the opening to that sheepfold? It was the shepherd himself. No sheep could get in and no sheep could get out without going through him. And Jesus says, I am not only the narrow gate, I am and the door to the sheepfold everybody else that comes is false they're liars they're thieves it's only me through whom you have to go if you're going to have eternal life isn't it interesting that the bible says that jesus is the good shepherd it tells us that jesus is the great shepherd it tells us that jesus is the chief shepherd But can I tell you that that great shepherd and that good shepherd and that chief shepherd is the narrow gate and he is the door to the sheepfold and there is no other way in than through the Lord Jesus Christ? Or consider for a moment following the ascension of Jesus, Peter and John were preaching the gospel. They were spreading the gospel everywhere and they were taken under arrest and held overnight. The next day they were brought out before the religious body of the day, the religious elite of the day, and filled with the boldness of the Holy Spirit, Peter speaks up and he proclaims the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and he comes to the end of that section, and this is what he says, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name by which we must be saved. The exclusivity of Christ. Every person in life goes through a gate leading to a pathway that ends at a final destination. And you better stop and consider which gate you're going through. The wide gate that's easy. Anyone can go any way they wish to go, however they wish to go. Or there is that narrow gate. You have to look for it or you'll overlook it altogether. And it's narrow because Jesus is the only way. He is the gate through which you have to go if you're going to be with the Father. Jesus is the only way of salvation because he's the only one who's able to forgive our sins. No other religion teaches the depth or seriousness of sin and its consequences like Christianity. No other religion offers the infinite payment for sin that Jesus alone provides. No other religious founder was God who became man. Jesus had to be God so that he could pay our sin debt. Jesus had to be man so that he could die for mankind's sin. And salvation is only available through the narrow gate. And that narrow gate, that door, is Jesus Christ. The old Christian hymn says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And I will be an unfaithful minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ if I don't tell you that the only gate to the right pathway with the right destination is Jesus. There was a time when most people in Western culture shared, for the most part, the same general worldview. It was a wonderful environment in which Christianity flourished as it did in no other Western country. But with the rise of postmodernism, people began throwing out absolute truth and they replaced it with something they called tolerance. That term became a word of indeterminate meaning which people began applying selectively at the expense of biblical truth. Tolerance once meant bearing or putting up with someone or something not especially liked. That's me with Mary some days. I'm not especially liked, but she tolerated me. However, now in this postmodern world, tolerance has been redefined to mean that all values and all beliefs and all lifestyles and all truth claims are equal if you deny this kind of postmodern thinking, you're quickly labeled as somebody who's intolerant, and thus you're worthy of contempt because you believe it. People tell me all the time that for the sake of unity, you have to stop drawing the definitive lines of theology, you have to stop declaring the biblical absolutes. They want us today to Portray all of the things that the Bible teaches as a pale gray where they used to be black and white. Because of this new tolerance, it's difficult for many people to accept a position of finality that offers no escape clause. If you go through the wide gate, you end up in hell. There is no other option. If you go through the narrow gate, you find yourself ultimately in heaven. There is no other way except through Jesus. And yet, the Bible is filled with these absolute truths. For instance, it says absolutely that all have sinned. All means all, and that's all, all means. That doesn't exclude anybody. Did you just get what I said? All means all, and that's all, all means all means all and that's all all means that means everybody everybody in the world in which we live the bible says definitively absolutely as a truth statement we are all sinners and god hates sin and a just judge cannot simply overlook sin and pass it by no matter how good you may view yourself you're a sinner i'm not trying to be ugly i'm not trying to be unkind As a matter of fact, I'm trying to be the exact opposite. I'm trying to be as loving to you as I possibly can be. We can never be righteous on our own, and only by receiving the righteousness of Jesus Christ will we ever have entrance into heaven. There's a truth statement, an absolute in the Scripture, that sin separates us from God. Because we're sinners, we are separated from God. Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. No man seeks after God. God seeks after man. One of those absolutes in the Bible is that there's only one way to heaven, and that way is Jesus. And Jesus is the one who said so himself. That means that the statement is either true, or Jesus is the biggest liar or lunatic who has ever lived. And there's the absolute statement that Jesus is the only way, and that eliminates every other way. Good deeds outweighing bad ones, earning your way into heaven through your time and your money or your efforts, thinking that you're better than someone else by comparing yourself to somebody else, their character or their conduct, and because they're worse than you, surely God's got to let me into heaven. Listen. Those may make sense in a world of tolerance and pluralism, but they make no sense in the world of the Bible or in the Word of Scripture. John Dyer was a Welsh poet and a pastor, and he said, a man may go to heaven without health, without riches, without honors, without learning, without friends, but he will never go there without Christ. This gate is narrow because only Jesus saves. Are you listening to me? Those online, those of you in our facilities, are you listening to me? The only way to heaven to be on the right pathway that leads to the right destination is to go through the right gate, and the right gate is Jesus Christ himself. But this gate is narrow because only Jesus saves. But this gate is narrow because you must believe. You must believe. Do you understand that? To go through this narrow gate, you must believe that in Christ alone is found eternal life. It was Jesus who said, whoever believes has eternal life. In John three fifteen and 16, he has eternal life. And then in verse 16, he says, has everlasting life. He says... In verse 18, he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus, in John chapter 11, made it abundantly clear. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked the all-important question. Do you believe this? You see... This gate is narrow because only Jesus saves, but this gate is narrow because you must believe. It's not about your works. It's not about being sincere. It's not about how many things you can do or how religious you are or what ceremonies you're involved in. It's about going through a person, the door, the gate, the narrow gate. And for a lot of people, believing is hard. They just can't rationalize it in their own minds. They just can't figure it out. They can't intellectualize it in their own minds. And Peter talked about it in his epistle, First Peter chapter 2. Quoting from the Old Testament, listen to what Peter had to say. Therefore, it's also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, that's Jerusalem, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Amen. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, that means disbelieving. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word. Do you realize that when you choose to ignore, pass by, refuse to investigate the narrow gate that you might go through it and you just simply let yourself go through the easy gate, the wide gate, the spacious gate onto a path that leads to the destination of hell? Do you understand that when you disbelieve that to many on that pathway, Jesus is a stumbling stone? He's a rock of offense. As a matter of fact, I will hear this week from somebody who was offended by this message because of its exclusivity. But you understand this gate is narrow because only Jesus saves and this gate is narrow because you must believe. This is not about your works. This is not about your religion. This is not about your denomination. This is not about how good you can be or how bad you are. This is about whether you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ or not. And if you disbelieve, it's hard for some to believe. And Jesus becomes a rock of offense. He becomes a stone of stumbling. Do you see what Peter's saying? People can't intellectually understand how his sacrifice pays the sin penalty for all mankind or how believing in him resolves mankind's sin problem. Surely they figure in their own minds that they have to do something that is worthy of merit. But at this narrow gate, at this narrow gate, neither your religious practices, your good works, your pride, your prestige, your position, or any other accomplishment has any merit with God. Most people think they're good and consequently they think they're going to heaven. It just seems right to them in this uh, world where anything uh, is believed and everybody's beliefs are equal. It just seems right to them that religious and good people should go to heaven. Of course when you throw in that we're not talking about one religion but we're talking about all religions then we have to say in that thinking that all religions lead to heaven. It just seems reasonable to, to some who disbelieve to think that God is good and that somehow at the end God's going to take everyone to heaven. A universalism of sorts. To the average person, all things seem like, all of these things seem like rational thought. The problem is that all of these ideas are just plain wrong. They're just plain wrong. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It may seem that the wide gate is the way to go onto that pathway that leads to that final destination. It may seem in your reasoning that that's the way to go, but you better stop. You better look. You better make sure that you're investigating this correctly because the fact of the matter is it's through the narrow gate that takes you onto the pathway that leads you to heaven and there isn't anything that you do it's all about what jesus has done for you and you believing on the lord jesus christ again as the old song says nothing in my hand i bring simply to the cross i cling a number of years ago, State Farm Insurance decided to rate the most dangerous intersections f- for accidents in the U.S. At the time, I don't know if that's still true today, but at the time, the most dangerous intersection in America was at the corner of Flamingo Road and Pines Boulevard in Pembroke Pines, Florida. That's an area just north of Miami. At this one intersection in one year, there were 357 crashes. That's almost a crash every single day of the year. But can I tell you the most dangerous intersection really isn't in northern Miami. The most dangerous intersection is the one where Religion Avenue intersects with Good Works Boulevard. Where Religion Avenue intersects with Good Works Boulevard because most people believe that you've got to be on one of those two in order to be able to enter into heaven, to go through the gate that will lead you to eternity with God. I've got to be on Religion Avenue or Good Works Boulevard. But I want to tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. Because that's just plain wrong. Just plain wrong. The only way to heaven is through Jesus alone, believing in Him alone for eternal life. Now let's go back to our statement. Are you with me so far? Let's go back to our statement. Every person goes through a gate leading to a pathway that ends at a final destination. Every person in life goes through a gate leading to a pathway that ends at a final destination. Let me ask you a question. Which gate are you going through? Which gate are you going through? You might not like to hear it. You might not want it to be said this way. But ignore the way I say it and please hear the truth I say. Because which gate you go through determines the destiny of your eternity. You know, when you pass through that gate, it's interesting what he says here. I want to bring this to a close, but it's interesting what he says here. Did you get the words? Look at verse 13 again. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are, do you see the next word? Many who go in by it. Many go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are, what's the word? Few who find it. It might surprise you who some of the many are. It might surprise you who some of the many are. I don't mean the M-I-N-I, the M-A-N-Y. It might surprise you. Let me just give you an abbreviated list. The agnostics, the atheists, the humanists, Jews, and Gentiles, and people of every ethnicity. And then it gets even harsher. It gets even more real. It gets even down closer to where we are. It includes bad people. The many includes bad people and good people. It includes Baptists and Methodists, Episcopalians and Presbyterians and Lutherans and Catholics and Mormons and Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims and anyone else who doesn't receive Jesus Christ as Savior. They've passed through the wide gate. However, those that pass through the narrow gate, they're few. They're few because they're in the minority. Christians, if you think we have to be the majority, you will be forever defeated. We will always be in the minority. Few will stop and consider the claims of Jesus. Few will stop and consider what the Bible says. They've already decided on a pale gray kind of theology rather than a black or white theology that's clear and definitive and absolute. Because after all, your belief is as good as my belief and my belief is as good as your belief. That isn't true especially when it comes to your eternal destiny. There's a word here, one other word I want to point out to you. It's in verse 13. It's the very first word. He says, enter. Do you see it? For those of you that like like the study of the Greek language, it's the aorist imperative tense. I'm not going to go through a description of what that means except to say that it's indicating something that is definite and specific. In other words, at some point in time, at some point in time, you have to enter for yourself. In essence, what Jesus is giving here is a call for people to believe and to believe right now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not promised the next day. You can be gone before this day is through. I don't wish that to be true. I pray that it isn't true, but that's the reality that can be true. That you can be gone today and what you have done with Jesus will determine your eternal destiny. You either intentionally enter through the narrow gate onto the pathway that leads to the destination of heaven or You lackadaisically and indifferently pass through the wide gate onto the pathway that leads to the destination of hell. There are no other options. And Jesus comes today and he says, enter, enter, enter the narrow gate. He's telling you. He's coaching you. He's guiding you. He's directing you, enter, 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 enter. Go through that narrow gate. You might not un- understand it all. It might not seem rational to you in some ways. You might not intellectualize it all, but go through that gate. Get on that pathway. There's fewer on that pathway, but that pathway opens up to heaven. Whatever you do, enter through the narrow gate. Today, I'm going to ask you to pray with me to receive Christ as your Savior if you've never done that. It's not the magic of the words. It's the attitude of your heart to believe that you express in a prayer to God. You say, Lord, I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. For those of you that have already done that, I'm going to ask you to pray with me for someone who you know that needs to be saved. I'm going to ask you to pray with me for someone you know that needs to be saved. You should be and I should be praying for lost people every single day of the week. I'm going to ask thirdly that you pray with me that God will make you sensitive to the true condition of people's souls. One of the things we're trying to get you to do and to help us to do is to give away this little card It has a QR code that takes people to a gospel presentation. It has a free ice cream that they can get at the Barbersville Dairy Queen. And on the back, it's an invitation to our church. And this is a beginning point. This is not the ending point. This is a beginning point of beginning conversations and having moments of prayer for and reaching out to people. It's a way to get the gospel to them. In the day, you can pick up two or three of these. You can't take more than that. You can take two or three of these if you're going to hand them out to somebody this week that you'd like to know that they've heard the gospel and you'd like to invite them to church service. But we've got to pray that God will make us sensitive to the true condition of people's souls, those people we've been attacking on social media and calling names and berating the lost people are looking in and they're watching and their soul matters more than who sits in the White House as president their soul matters more can I ask just two other things Do you need to be baptized? Some of you have trusted Christ. You've put your faith in Jesus, but you have never come and publicly professed your faith before the believing body to declare your allegiance to Jesus. It's time to come out of the shadows, friends. It's time to come out in the open and say, I declare myself as imperfect as I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. Or maybe today, you went through that narrow gate, but you have drifted so far from Jesus that what you need to do is not be saved. You don't get saved again and saved again and saved again and saved again. What you need to do is come back to Jesus where you left him and say, Jesus, renew my fellowship with you.